Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information, order order. Call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. You know, just reflecting on that question about vaccine failure, I think um, in some cases there have been vaccine failures uh, where people are on immunosuppressive drugs. Ah. Um, they're on... Um, uh, things Cellcept. like rituxin, oh. Cellcept, methotrexate. Um, yeah, so that they are either getting it for um, prevention of organ rejection with in organ transplant cases, people with kidneys or livers or lungs, yeah. hearts occasionally, um, and uh, they um, they don't have a completely intact immune system, so that the mm -hmm. vaccine doesn't really take. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be one reason for failure. But Interesting. there's yeah. not a lot of failure. I mean, it's surprisingly effective. Yeah. Uh, because, and we know that from studies of countries that have been highly vaccinated, like mm -hmm. Israel. Um, yes. And they were like one of the first. Yeah. To be almost fully vaccinated. Yeah. Or yeah. Well, a small country, and you know, and also uh, uh, there's a there's sort of a disciplined populace. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you say, look, it's a national security issue, and they go, you know. They all either, you know, flock to, to the army reserves, you know, when they have to, when the, when the missiles come in, or they obey public uh, health edicts. Yeah. Although, you know, they also have a very, um, uh, you know, you get two Jews in a room, you're going to have like an argument. You know, it's the very, it's, <laughs> it really, it's, it's, and so they, they're very fractionated politically. They're fractionated between the secular and the Haredi community, the Orthodox community. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There was a lot of resistance in the Orthodox community mm. to the vaccine, like this newfangled thing and, you know, whatever. And, but they got the, they got the rabbis to sign on and the rabbis urged their congregants yeah. uh, to, you know, accept the vaccine. And yeah. that made a difference in the vaccine campaign there. Although there's still, you know, at best in any country, even in Israel, I think there's still like maybe 20, 30% of people who haven't gotten it. Yeah. 25%, something like yeah. that. Yeah. But that's still high. That's mm -hmm. a high rate mm -hmm. of... Um, yeah. But it should be enough to give herd immunity. I think they're doing well. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's there's a lot of outbreaks there. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, so it's, it, it's a little model for the efficacy. Okay. Uh, this comes from... Let's see. This is George. George is 57 years old. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Apparently, I'm pre-diabetic. I'm 5'9", 163 pounds. I exercise moderately. I try to eat. I try to eat fairly low carb. My last two A1C results were 5.7. 
So it's a little borderline. It's borderline. I definitely have the Dawn syndrome, George says. When I check my morning fasting glucose on my home monitor, it's usually between 105 and 110. We don't actually call that Dawn syndrome in a pre-diabetic, right? Right, right exactly. Because that's already pre-diabetes right there is the fasting glucose being over 100 but under 126. A yeah, Dawn, Dawn syndrome, syndrome refers to an increased insulin requirement, I think. That, yeah. That's true. In, yeah. in, a, in a full-blown diabetic right. who's having, who's waking up with blood sugars in the 200s right. or something like that. Right. After or definitely not, over 160. After having not eaten. After having not eaten right. at all. After having fasted all night. And it refers to de novo synthesis of sugar yeah. um, under a cortisol, basically. Yeah. It's cortisol mediated. It's when people wake up, they wake up with a sort of a surge of cortisol, of it, stress That's hormones. how we get up in the morning. Otherwise, we wouldn't get up. Right. It's like people have flat adrenals. They just want to lie there. Yeah. yeah. So that's what is the circadian clock that yeah. in part wakes us up. Yeah. If I, test, if I test my glucose two hours after my first meal, I'm at between 108 and 115. And these are meals with a fair amount of carbs. So, <laughs> George, I have to ask you, you said you eat relatively low carb, but then, now you're telling us you eat a, a fair, fair amount, amount of carbs. carbs. All right. So Don't okay. eat carbs. Yeah. Sometimes my after meal, my post-prandial numbers are lower than my morning fasting numbers. Maybe that's why he's thinking it's like a dawn phenomenon. Okay. From what I read, the post-prandial number under 140 is normal for a non-diabetic. That's true. Right. Absolutely right. I'm way below that. Am I diabetic or not? No. You, no. Are you, am I pre-diabetic or not? Yes, you're pre-diabetic. You're not diabetic. Well, I, I you're don't not like diabetic. the term pre-diabetic. So much. I would say that you are in the less than optimal zone of blood sugar control. Absolutely. You might have some tendency towards insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome. Yeah. Although... It could be also a fault in insulin production. Without analyzing that, we don't know what's at fault. Right. You know, so we can sometimes, in a really skinny person mm -hmm. who's not uh, insulin resistant, they may have some fault in their pancreas. How is this gen? Male, He's right? He's 57. Okay. Yeah. Well, sometimes 57. there's a decline in the, the timing yeah. and um, secretion of insulin from mm -hmm. the pancreas. That could be what's happening there. Yeah. So, George, definite pre-diabetic zone, you are not a full-blown diabetic. But what's the real tell? A five-hour glucose tolerance test, maybe. Five-hour glucose That's tolerance something. test is C-peptide, glycomark. You know, these glycomark are is a great yeah. test. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fructosamine. Even that, that's, yeah. An, that's, a, that's another one. That's a shorter-term uh, hemoglobin A1C. Not used yeah. too much anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, George, thank you for that question. I mean, it's just less than optimal. You yeah, know, and it's less than optimal. He doesn't talk about his exercise. I mean, exercise could really bring that into you know, shape. Totally. Yeah. Exercise is like taking metformin, Yeah, in my opinion. It works on it's PPAR. Wonderful. You know, it works on yeah. uh, the uptake of insulin by the cells. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the GLUT4 receptors are enhanced with exercise. Mm -hmm. So, you know. It's, it's a, a good thing. George, consider very some. Very medicinal. Exercise and mind those carbohydrates, absolutely. Good point which to pause because yes. we want to offer one of our sponsors an opportunity to share a vital message with you. So here goes. Listen up, please. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Healthy Aging, providing you with the unique energy support of pure NT Factor. 
And D-Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. And T-Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown N-T-Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking N-T-Factor for years with a 45-day money-back guarantee of nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine continuing free resource to you. And now, back to our questions with Layla. What's next? We have from Philip. Hi there. I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. I live in a small town in Northern California. And starting last month, A2 milk is available at a cost of about $6 for a half gallon. $6 for a half gallon of milk. I put that right back on the shelf. I just wonder. I mean, I have to say, I don't drink milk anymore. I don't drink how much milk. Is, how much is milk? These I days? don't know. An organic half gallon of milk is, is anywhere from 4 to $6. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about the same. Uh, I wonder, what do you believe on... A, A2's digestibility. Now, well, there's you, a study. Can you explain what that is? You know, yes. A1 versus A2. It's the milk has generally two types of beta casein, okay. A1 and A2. Okay. It is said, and beta casein is, is one of... Is, it's, it's a protein found in all milk. It's it, one of the proteins found in milk because there's right. lactalbumin. There's lactalbumin, there's whey, but casein is a lot of it. Okay, so casein sounds a little like the word cheese. Yes. So it's it uh, casein is the primary thing you find in the in the curds, right? And the lactalbumin is you find in the whey. Probably. Little Miss Muffet ate sat on the tuffet eating her curds and whey. Yeah. So that's how I remember that. So it's the the two type they separate out when you make cultured milk products. Yes. And buttermilk is mostly lactalbumin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the predominant protein is casein, right? Yes. So there's A1 and A2 casein. There's A1 and A2 casein. And the A2 and is set, said to be better. It's said to be more digestible. People have trouble digesting regular milk. No, but they, it doesn't have anything to do with lactose, though. It's, well, exactly. Exactly. Most people think they're going to take care of their lactose intolerance by switching from regular milk to A2 milk. That's no, not the case. No. Because it's not about your lack of lact- lactase lactose, enzyme. Exactly. Exactly. So it's about a, a different protein. It's about a different protein altogether. Right. So then they got into the weeds of milk A1 and cancer. Cancer, inflammation, okay. all of that. Okay. And they found that A2 type milk will be less inflammatory okay. than A1. And there was a study that aimed to compare the effects of milk containing A1 beta casein with those milk containing A2. Casein on inflammations, symptoms of post dairy. So it's not the processing; it's the type of cow. It's the type, yeah. It's it's not like you you can take milk and process it A one to A two. Right. The different breeds of cows make A one or A two. I believe so. Okay. I believe so. So this study in the Nutrition Journal effects of milk containing only A two casein versus milk containing both A one and A two casein. Proteins on GI physiology, symptoms of discomfort, cognitive behavior, and self-reported intolerance to traditional cow's milk. And what they found yeah. was that consumption of milk containing A1 was associated with increased GI inflammation, 
worsening symptoms, yeah. delayed transit, yeah. decreased cognitive yeah. processing, all of this. But you know, some of that may be advertising hype because it could be. I'll, I have this article here. Yes. While we were talking, I looked this up. A law firm in Australia has confirmed it's investigating a class action lawsuit against specialty dairy company A2 Milk. Hmm. And it's from investors. Ah. So the company's share price has fallen dramatically over the last year after the company downgraded its earning forecast four times, mm -hmm. dropping from a record 21.74 Australian dollars in August to a low of $5.42. Uh, shareholders um, are suing because they say that the company did not disclose some information that kind of undermines its claims. And wow. that the shareholders were snookered into investing in the company on the prospect that it was going to be a terrific uh, investment and it was going to take off. Terrible. And uh, da 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 so, talk about a lack I guess of it's, I guess, well, I don't know. You know, it's just a claim and I don't know who to believe here. Sure. Um, you know, I see a Wikipedia article and they say the health effects and da 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 da, and you probably read that too. Mm -hmm. Um, the A2 milk company claims that people experience discomfort during ordinary cow's milk may experience relief when they switch to milk with predominantly A2 protein. Mm -hmm. And then Wikipedia helpfully adds this claim is not supported by research. Yeah. Um, so there's there's some problems with this. Mm -hmm. uh, A2 dairy marketers in Australia were fined fifteen thousand dollars after pleaded guilty to six breaches of laws forbidding companies from making misleading health claims about food. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they're getting a little too far over their skis in terms of claims. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I just, it hasn't really taken off that much, but, you know, try it, see if it makes a difference for you. Sure. Um, but I just want to clarify, some people who have lactose intolerance believe that they're able yeah. to drink the A2 milk. No, That's not the case. No, no. There is still lactose there. Sure. Yeah. There's still lactose yeah. there. So yeah. Yeah. that's really what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, and I think that maybe the company deliberately tried to conflate those two things could be. in their claims. Could be. You know. Yeah. All right. Philip, thank you for that very thoughtful question. We've got another one about the jab, Dr. Hoffman. The jab, the jab. The jab, the jab. This is from Brian. I had a bit of difficulty putting this question into words. Here's my best attempt. Okay. In, accept, in accepting the fact that the COVID mRNA vaccines are not affecting our DNA in any way, the question that keeps coming to mind is this. Given the RNA delivered into our cells instructs the cells to produce the spike proteins, which eventually migrate to the external surface and is then recognized by our immune system, upon cell division replication, how do the new cells retain these instructions? Forgive the lack of medical knowledge, for I am a lowly engineer. Uh -huh. Damn it, Jim, I'm an engineer, not a doctor. Okay, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> a little Star Trek reference um, for those of you who are under the age of 45. Um, okay, so... Goodness, more than 45, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right. So this argument, we'll recap it. It's that you're injecting some genetic instructions into the cell. 
So how do we know that that genetic construction doesn't get incorporated in the backbone of our DNA? Yeah. Which then would make a what's called a germline mutation. I actually talk about this in my newsletter article this week. A germline mutation, which is going to be passed along to future generations. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, there's an old rule in biology, which is that DNA goes to RNA, but RNA doesn't go back to DNA. Mm. However, there is an exception. There are what are called retroviruses that set, have uh, something called reverse transcriptase. Yeah. Reverse transcriptase means that you transcribe in reverse. RNA can go to DNA. Uh, the HIV virus has reverse transcriptase. The coronavirus does not have reverse transcriptase. Hmm. Reverse transcriptase doesn't ordinarily exist in mammalian cells. Okay. So, um, there was one article that attracted a lot of uh, attention. It was in pre-publication. It was, you know, looked like the possibility that some sequences from the RNA virus were incorporated into uh, cell cultures of human cells that it got to the DNA. Yeah. Um, That study has been vociferously challenged by a lot of top virologists. And they say that that may be the result of contamination and not really an authentic reverse transcription of the RNA to DNA. Wow. So, um, so, you know, I think that um, the way, I mean, sometimes I'm conservative to a fault. I was conservative to a fault about the theory that it was a, this developed in the Wuhan labs and escaped. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, we don't have... You know, we don't have to really look to that because many viruses come from nature and, you know, sure. they come in. It. And now I'm all in on that theory. I yeah. mean, from what I've looked at uh, and, and top virologists and now the mainstream media yes. is beginning to acknowledge it. Finally. And the the problem with that theory is that it sounded like a half-cocked theory, you know, like a conspiracy theory. It was associated with Trump and was associated with um mm-hmm. Uh, sort of these, this anti-China faction yes. of the government. And it was thought that it was like unsubstantiated. But now looking at the extraordinary coincidence that's occurred in the city of Wuhan, right, mm-hmm. up, you know, a couple of miles from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Yeah. But also looking at the structure of the virus, it looks to a lot of virologists like it was man-made. Also, usually there's going to be some intermediate steps, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like it's, it's going to progress from bats to other animals and eventually to humans in yeah. a series of mutations that then make it infectious to humans. It looks like it was cooked up in a lab. Mm. Anyway, so what I'm saying is I, I really can't sign on to the theory that this RNA can go back into your DNA. I think it hangs out for a while manufactures some proteins, Mm -hmm. it then breaks down and stops manufacturing the spike protein, which goes to the surface of the cell, as this gentleman says, and then it's recognized by the immune system. And it's, it's, I think it's an ingenious way to create a a vaccine. What some people say, though, about the vaccine, I know I'm going a little past what this guy is saying here, is that uh, part of the problem with the vaccine is that it, it just goes to the spike protein. Mm. of the virus, very one piece of the virus. And when you get COVID, you become immune, not just to the spike protein, but to all the other constituents of the, of the live virus. I see. 
and you yeah. make antibodies to a multiplicity of things, which right. is a more complete immunity. It's also an immunity that is less likely to fail when the spike protein mutates, because when the spike protein mutates, um, then you don't have immunity. But if yeah. you have a lot of bites at the apple of creating antibodies to different constituents of the virus, you've got more likelihood of stopping even a mutated virus, because how many mutations can the virus undertake, you know, mutating its capsule and mutating its, you know, wow. its its other structures, um, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, look, the good news, bottom line, is that the uh, current vaccine does not um, confers protection against some of the variants, some of the newer variants, mm -hmm. uh, but also that natural immunity appears to be long-lasting if you've had COVID. Yes. Uh, and it's very, I mean, there are some documented cases of supposedly people catching it, but usually those are very mild, or they may have been the mm -hmm. result of lab, you know, contamination mm -hmm. in the testing. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. you know, pretty good news all around on this. How do the new cells retain these instructions? They don't. They don't. The, they, I think it's it, they transiently make yes those those uh, 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 they make the spike protein, and then they're done. And then they're done. And then see ya. Yeah. Did their job. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Brian, thank you they, for that they very thoughtful. They don't retain the immunity. They don't. The cells don't. The cells. But don't. your immune system. Has your immune memory. system does. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That, so the cells don't have right. to continue. Right. right. Exactly. Cells don't have to continue to harbor the RNA. Yeah. That RNA, you know, supposedly breaks down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it's, it's in the cytoplasm. It's not incorporated in the nucleus. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So we have time for one more question. We want to be like, uh, yeah, we want people to get their money's worth here. People pay a lot for this thing. We actually have a nice comment. Oh, okay. This is from Helen, who is a visual artist. Oh, okay. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. As a longtime follower of, of alternative medicine, I have to thank you for years of wonderful information I've learned from you and your predecessors, Atkins, Carlton Fredericks, on the radio. You are a wonderful, generous, brilliant patient and articulate spokesperson for integrative and highly intelligent medicine. Thank you, and thank you again during these difficult times. Well, that's very kind, and I'm, I'm happy to uh, be in the annals of these illustrious figures of the past who people used to look to for uh, inspiration and for interpretation, you know, and it's been our mission statement yes, yes. during COVID to try and provide people with objective mm -hmm. and, um, you know, even some departing and criticizing the, the narrative you yeah. know, about some of these things. Sure. And uh, upholding to some extent, the cause of natural medicine, integrated medicine, in the face of uh, sometimes pushback, censorship, yeah. and so on, because sometimes our messaging has not been that popular. Yes. You know. True. Uh, but um, I think it's important to continue get the word out, and you know, it's lovely that we have this constituency of people out there mm -hmm. who who tend to resonate with it. You know, and because if it didn't work, we'd mm -hmm. pack it in. You know, yeah. if it didn't, you yeah. know, strike a chord within uh, listeners, then uh, what? What's the? Yeah, you know, what's it all about, Alfie? Then what's it? <laughs> you know, right, Johnny Mathis. Yeah. Yes, okay. Right. That, oh right. my goodness! Yeah, we're, we're you know we're full of really dated references here. We've got to like uh, we're showing our age. It's okay. Yeah, we're 
up, it's okay. Upgrade our uh, repertoire of metaphors and uh, <laughs> cultural references. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, all right, everybody, get out there, enjoy uh, spring. Yes. Enjoy a modicum of freedom that we've certainly earned. Yes. Uh, and uh, you know, try and you know put the fear. Back into Pandora's box. Mm. Close the lid. Yep. Lock it. Lock it. Walk away. Tie a brick on it. Throw it to the bottom of the ocean. See yeah. ya. <laughs> and, uh, you know, coronaphobia. Let's see if we can, uh, you know, banish that. Yes. Yes. Thank you, everybody. And remember to send your questions to radio program at AOL.com. Thank you, Layla. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212 212- Seven seven nine one seven four four. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.